Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we have a lot to talk about, so let's just dive right in. A number of you reached out to me to ask me to talk about the situation with a company named Dbrand and their Dark Plates product. If you aren't familiar with any of this, Dbrand is a company that was marketing and selling plates that affix to your PlayStation 5, if you're lucky enough to have one, that were, instead of the white that the PlayStation 5 is sold in, instead, black. They were dark plates. Now, we covered a similar plate company that also got a cease and desist from Sony, also had trouble in the past, and we're going to talk about them as part of this video, so hold on there. But one of the things that's interesting about the D-Brand story, and really one of the reasons why I think a number of you heard about it, why it's being reported on so widely, and how a number of you came to ask me the questions about its legality, is the way that they have treated their communications. And I mean, unlike the other companies that we have looked at in this space, where a reasonable lawyer sitting in an office with a client would say, okay, if you're going to do this, it's intellectual property gray area, we're going to talk about that a little bit. But don't poke the bear. Sony has a lot of money. Don't poke them. Dbrand went a different direction. They instead decided to poke that bear and be very combative and demonstrative about it in a way that I think elicits a certain response, either from Sony or from the consumer. Certainly at the consumer level, it's a pretty effective marketing initiative. You get stories like this one in Gizmodo from February, Dbrand dares Sony to sue over its new black faceplates instead of just being ignored as a member of the marketplace. So keeping that in mind, let's look at this Gizmodo story, talk about what this company is doing. Months after its debut, the PS5's design remains highly divisive. And while Sony has already shut down one accessory maker who tried making aftermarket panels for the PS5, Dbrand is now daring Sony to sue over its new matte black PS5 faceplates. Called Dark Plates, Dbrand's new PS5 add-on isn't just a sticker you can use to cover up the PS5 stock white exterior. They're full matte black plastic replacement panels that attach to the PS5 using the same grooves Sony uses. And unlike when we were looking at that other company, Dbrand takes a very oppositional approach. Totally legal, they say. When you look at this microscopic texture inside the dark plates, what do you see? If your answer is a familiar but legally distinct apocalyptic spin on the classic PlayStation button shapes, you might be one of our lawyers. And you can see in that image that much like the PlayStation 5 itself, which puts little circles and squares and triangles actually in the plates so that you can see it if you're up close, they did something similar with their dark plates. It says right under the dark plates header image, Dbrand even added a line saying, go ahead, sue us. And while the microtexture Dbrand feature on its side panel serves as another jab at Sony and one that we just read. So what you've got now is a PlayStation 5 with white plates and a pretty clear market for selling something different and a market that Dbrand appeared to tap into. But as we said, this video is not about their success at marketing themselves. It's instead about a cease and desist letter that Sony issued that caught Dbrand what appears to be a little bit unawares. From The Verge, Yesterday or two days ago, Dbrand pulls its PS5 dark plates from sale after Sony threatens legal action. And it's worth noting here that the timelines get a little bit confused. We're actually going to look at the end of this video at the Reddit post that Dbrand put up defending itself from this cease and desist letter. Again, I don't recommend litigating your issues on Twitter, on social media, on Reddit, but it certainly makes for good virtual legality episodes. 
The Verge continues, earlier this year, Dbrand started selling matte black PS5 side plates that it called dark plates. And when it did, it baited Sony right on the product's info page to go ahead and sue us. We got our hands on some and they look exactly like you expect, making the sides of your PS5 black instead of white. As of Saturday though, you can't buy dark plates anymore as Dbrand has removed them from sale after, perhaps unsurprisingly, receiving a cease and desist letter from Sony. And if you visit the page right now, it's just a series of news articles, which also goes to the side of this is a massive marketing effort by this company and one that seems to be pretty worthwhile. It's getting reported on in a number of places. And so if they can succeed, if they can find common ground with Sony, you're probably going to remember the name Dbrand over the other five or 10 or 15 unofficial plate sellers. So there is some usefulness here, but it is walking a very, very fine line from a legality perspective. Dbrand shared the letter with The Verge, that cease and desist letter from Sony, which we've included at the bottom of the article. And of course, we will go through in this space in which Sony complains about a lot of things. Now, The Verge continues. It says, this isn't the first time Sony has threatened legal action over PS5 side plates. One company that started life as Plate Station 5 changed its name to Customize My Plates and then canceled and refunded orders allegedly after Sony threatened legal action. VGC reported in November. That company returned in January and is selling its custom plates again, which adds an interesting data point, right? As I said, we talked about this particular issue here in virtual legality in a video called Plate Limits, Sony Threatens Legal Action. And if you go to Customize My Plates right now, you can see they're selling something called a CMP shell for PS5. And it looks like you'd expect it to look if you were gonna make your PS5 kind of golden looking. And they have a number of different colors here. Now it's worth noting, they also have some disclaimers. We are not in any way affiliated with, authorized by, or licensed by Sony Interactive Entertainment or any of its affiliates. Sony Interactive Entertainment does not in any way guarantee this product. And then they also say, we do not warrant that the quality of any product, services, information, or other material purchased or obtained by you will meet your expectations. So, you know, buyer beware, but they are up and running, which made me want to look into exactly what they were using as their defense. And I popped into a number of articles from January of this year in which they had an interesting quote. And I'm going to go over this as well as the patents and trademarks at issue here before we dive into the D brand letter, because I think it's important to kind of get the background necessary and, and why this is a little bit dicey for basically every market participant. Here's an IGN article actually found in their Southeast Asia network that quotes the CMP company as saying the following, the patent is pending. Presumably they're talking about Sony's design patent here. We're going to talk about that in a second. The patent is pending and all sales finalized before it's approved are untouchable, okay? We didn't know before, now we do. Further, we have not replicated anyone's proprietary design. Our shells improve upon the original by allowing for more ventilation. We will be able to sell even after the patent is approved. So they're saying a couple of things here. First of all, that Sony has filed what they believe to be a patent on the design of the PlayStation 5, which is to be expected from a company selling something like the PlayStation 5. We'll talk about that more in a second. They say, while it's pending, while the US Patent and Trademark Office is looking at it, deciding whether to issue it, et cetera, et cetera, when we make a sale, it's untouchable. That's not quite right. We're gonna talk about that in a second. The second defense that they put up is that we have more ventilation in ours. So even though 
it looks basically identical when we're selling it to you. It's going to be something different when it's in your hands. It's got, I don't know, more vents on the back that we can't see. It's bigger, something along those lines. And so we're going to be protected even when Sony gets its patent issued. That's another area which is like, hmm, maybe. So we'll talk about that as well. And in order to do that, we have to talk about industrial design patents. Here's the USPTO office talking about the concept. It says, in the United States, design patents provide a primary form of intellectual property utilized for the protection of industrial designs. Design patents are one of the three types of patents in the United States and are issued by the United States Patent and Trademark Office with a 15-year term of protection measured from data grants. We're not talking about the ludicrous length of copyrights or anything like that. This is a 15-year term. And importantly, when we're talking about industrial design patents, we're talking not about things that are functional, but instead things that are purely aesthetic. Whoever invents any new original and ornamental design for an article of manufacture may obtain a patent, therefore, and get patent protection. That ornamental is very, very important. Once it becomes functional, it can't serve the purpose that an industrial design patent or a trademark in product configuration can. It has to be talking about who the source of ownership is in a way that doesn't actually help the thing do anything. It's pure design. Or as the USPTO says in a much, much, much longer document, which I am definitely not going to go over at length with you, it says a design consists of the visual ornamental characteristics embodied in or applied to an article of manufacture. A design patent protects only the appearance of the article and not structural or utilitarian features. Then you see a lot of references to a lot of code. If you want to check it out yourself, please be my guest. An ornamental design may be embodied in an entire article or only a portion of an article or maybe ornamentation applied to an article. So when you're thinking about this, right? Think about a car. Think about having the little logo thing at the end of your hood go up. That doesn't do anything. It just says it's a BMW. It just says it's a Volkswagen. It just says whatever it is. It's purely ornamental and you can get protection in the design that features only that ornament. In general terms, a utility patent protects the way an article is used and works, while a design patent protects the way an article looks. A design for an article of manufacture that is dictated primarily by the function of the article lacks ornamentality and is not proper statutory subject matter under the Copyright Act or the Patent Act in this case. So if we go back and we look at the PlayStation, you can see that in general, the plates look pretty ornamental in concept. They don't appear to be doing anything. When you looked at the teardown of the PlayStation 5, they don't appear to have much effect on how the PlayStation 5 actually operates. And so Sony, in all likelihood, and we're going to talk about why we have to use that caveat when we get to it, has filed for a design patent on how this thing looks. And if you exactly copy the curvature and the size of the plates, then Sony might have an issue with you. If you put a giant mechanical duck on one side of the PlayStation 5, Sony doesn't have the same argument that it's going to bring up against dbrand. But if you try to make the same thing, but in a different color, that's when all of their arguments kind of come home to roost. And we can see in other articles that we've looked at in the past how this kind of manifests itself. Here's a White & Case article. They're another big international law firm. It says, aesthetics matter. Products that look good sell better. Hardware companies are investing increasing amounts of resources into design teams that create sleek and modern products. 
that allow customers to feel like they own the technology of the future. The intensifying focus on design patents can be seen in the USPTO where design patent applications are being filed at increasingly larger rates. The reason hardware companies in particular should care about design patents is at the end of the day, no different from the reason any company should, to protect the bottom line. And a product design infringes a design patent if, under the ordinary observer test, the same test used to evaluate novelty, an ordinary observer would think that the product design is identical to the patented design or is a slightly modified version of the patented design. To be clear, infringement occurs even when there are slight differences between a patented design and an infringing one. The test for design patent infringement is not identity, but rather sufficient similarity. So calling back to those statements that we found that are apparently defending CMP, we have more ventilation might work, really depends on facts and circumstances of the specs. But if it's a slight variation as determined by the court, it won't do much of anything. And in case you're wondering, since dbrands apparently has a connection to Canada, you see the same kind of concepts represented by the Intellectual Property Office of Canada, industrial design protection. It's about how something looks. It protects a product's unique appearance, not what it is made of, how it is made or how it works. It's about aesthetics. The Canadian Intellectual Property Office conducted a study on the economic impact of industrial designs and found that firms holding industrial design registrations have 16% greater revenue per employee. Now, here's an office what covers these kinds of things saying, hey, these are pretty valuable. You should register and make sure that you're using this office because we would like to continue existing. The Industrial Design Act confers exclusive right for the three-dimensional features of shape and configuration, as well as the two-dimensional features, such as pattern and ornament, including color applied to a finished article. A registered industrial design provides the owner with an exclusive right to prevent others from making, selling, and importing for commercial purposes in Canada an article that embodies a design which is the same. What isn't protected? The function of the article. So we've done now a deep dive of intellectual property rights, but I want to leave you with one last thing, again talking about CMP, who remember said, oh, their patent is just pending I don't have to worry about that. Sales made before patent issues are quote unquote untouchable. And at least in the United States, that isn't accurate realistically at all. We've got something here called provisional rights that says, in addition to other rights provided by this section, a patent shall include the right to obtain a reasonable royalty from any person who, during the period beginning on the date of publication of the application for such patent and ending on the date the patent is issued, makes, uses, offers for sale, or sells in the United States the invention as claimed in the published patent and who had actual notice of the published patent application. That's going to come up again in this letter that we're going to talk about. But suffice it to say, when you file for your patent, USPTO knows that it takes a while to get these things done. And that's not really fair to the folks that are creating these things and creating these designs and aesthetics and everything else. So the Patent Act here actually says, okay, while you're waiting if this winds up getting issued, you can go back and punish the people that actually sold this thing after you applied for a patent. So that's why you see references to patent pending. Now notice, you can take the risk. You can be dbrand or anybody else and say, look, the patent's pending and we don't think it's going to issue. Maybe you think the plates are functional and they're not going to get that design patent. Maybe you think something else that's going to get you out of that. I'm going to sell them anyway. And if Sony wants to come after me after the fact, Frankly, that's going to be difficult for them to do. They're probably not going to go through the effort. So I'm just going to take the risk. But is it untouchable? 
Not really. They can't go and get the plates out of the people's hands that bought them. That's true. But they can go and devastate the company that sold them by asking for what would be a reasonable royalty for essentially licensing their patent. Now, what does that look like? I don't know. But it's worth noting if you're in the business of talking about provisional patents. Finally, as promised, we get to this letter. And I have to give an apology here as we talk about it because my highlighting program doesn't really like the way this is configured. So I've got some double highlights or maybe none at all, depending on exactly how my program and this letter were interacting. But let's go through with what Sony is saying. They say, we are counsel to Sony Interactive Entertainment and certain of its related companies and write regarding the unauthorized use by Dbrand of SIE's intellectual property in connection with the sale of console faceplates and decals into the United States, Canada, and around the world. SIE has been a global leader in the video game sector, etc., etc. They make PlayStations very successful. In addition, as you know, SIE's PlayStation 5 console has been immensely successful. The product's innovative and distinctive new design is shown here. Look at that duck bill. Beautiful. Thanks to our clients' extensive marketing of the PS5 console, its commercial popularity, and its massive earned media coverage, people just love us. The console's unique product configuration, put a pin in that, including without limitation the two vertical faceplates, has become exclusively associated with SIE in the minds of consumers and has come to symbolize considerable goodwill. So what you're hearing reference there is a trademark concept. If you haven't been in virtual reality for a while, you haven't heard me talk about it before, there are three main intellectual property pursuits. There's copyright, which is protecting the actual creative output of someone, putting words on a page, coding that software. There's trademark, which is a brand name or logo or something that's associated with the seller or provider of a good or service that is designed to associate that good or service with the provider and can be lost if people don't recognize it as a trademark, that it's something that's indicating who's selling them the service. Patents are for things like inventions. Generally, I know I just talked about design patents, which are a little bit different and not easily put into this particular rubric, but patents are about inventions, about making things, creating them separate from artistic and musical and other pursuits that are otherwise covered by copyright. Now, Sony here is saying, look, We've got protection, which they don't really articulate very well in this paragraph, for what this thing looks like. The faceplates are exclusively associated with Sony and have come to symbolize considerable goodwill. That's a trademark concept. We go to the USPTO office, we see what is trademark infringement? It's the unauthorized use of a trademark or service mark on or in connection with goods and or services in a manner that is likely to cause confusion, deception, or mistake about the source of the goods and or services. That's where Sony's ultimately going to come down in this letter. But first, their lawyers, they've got some stuff to recite. Our client owns numerous trademark registrations for the PlayStation marks in the United States and around the world. Now note they play a definitional game here. You see this capital P, capital M, PlayStation marks, and you think, well, oh, that's, that's the official trademarks. That's the registered stuff. That's here, everything in these paragraphs. But if you go up and you look at the parenthetical from the prior paragraph, they say the PS5 console design, together with what we usually think of, the word marks and logos, are the quote-unquote PlayStation marks. Every time we say PlayStation marks, we're also talking about the console design because that's really where we want to hit you 
at dbrand that you're taking our design and selling it back. Yes, you've got other problems that are essentially uh, foot faults, self-inflicted wounds that we're going to talk about, including the fact that, hey, we own the words PlayStation, the PlayStation Family Mark, the PS4 logo, the PS5 logo, the shapes, and we own them in the United States and we own them in Canada. SIE also owns, and this is important, pending applications for the design of the PS5 console that are proceeding in jurisdictions around the world. Every jurisdiction is going to have different ways of handling these things. We just went over the United States way. We also saw an industrial design reference to Canada. All of those get filed. The lawyers are paid very well to go figure out the intellectual property protections that Sony needs. They probably use hundreds of them in all honesty, and they go to these various jurisdictions and they file for them, but they're all pending. Sony doesn't have something to reference directly here. Now, it's a little bit interesting that they didn't directly reference the actual patent application itself, because as we talked about when we were talking about this issue, one of the requirements of actually imposing these things is that they have to have actual notice of the published patent application, which Sony would appear to not want to put forth. That's an open question and one we will see raised by dbrand itself. Sony then starts its arguments. It has come to SIE's attention that dbrand has been promoting and selling console accessories in a manner that is deeply concerning to our client. It's a very serious voice from the lawyers. First, dbrand is selling faceplates for the PS5 console that replicate SIE's protected product design. Any faceplates that take the form of our client's PS5 product configuration, and that's a good phrase as well. We're going to be talking about trademarked product configurations or any similar configuration and are produced and sold without permission from SIE violate our client's intellectual property rights in the distinctive console design. But you don't see references to a filed trademark application. You don't see references to a patent application. And yes, as they will point out on Reddit, that's interesting. It's a little bit unusual. Why are you keeping that specific information out of this letter when it would seem to buoy your position, especially if they are, in fact, pending in jurisdictions around the world. Second, dbrand is selling skins for SIE devices that feature the PlayStation family mark, and they pause this video here to show it. So looking at this, yep, that's a footfall. That's a self-inflicted wound. That is the 100% PlayStation logo placed upon something that you are selling, which 100% indicates a trademark issue that you are authorized by Sony in some fashion, and that's always going to be trouble. So this is that footfall. Yes, this is the kind of thing that absolutely you pull this down from the store. That's fine. Sony appears to be adding this here just to add to the kind of ammunition that they're firing at dbrand. They're really interested in getting them to stop selling all this stuff, not just this PlayStation skin. Third, dbrand has created its own version of SIE's famous PlayStation Shapes logo and has displayed this design as a standalone logo on its website. And as you can see, they've taken the triangle and they made it an eyeball. They took the circle and they made it a radiation symbol. They took the square and they made it a robot. And they took the X and made it a skull and crossbones. And they put this in their plates. Now, just looking at this before we get to the next paragraph, I would say this is one of the trickier claims for Sony to make. In general, yes, you can have a trademark affiliation with the specific shapes, is represented as the shapes. You can't necessarily have a trademark protection when you change the shapes. And this looks pretty substantial to my eye. Uh, but again, we have another kind of self-inflicted wound. It says, dbrand concedes that this design is an apocalyptic spin on SIE's protected trademark. So yes, they did. We looked at the marketing materials. That's bad. You started to associate it specifically for them, right? 
and acknowledges that the PlayStation Shapes logo is both familiar to dbrand's customer base and sufficiently famous to be called classic PlayStation button shapes. Given the strong trademark rights our client owns in the PlayStation Shapes logo and which dbrand's own admissions corroborate, consumers encountering the modified shape mark design are bound to erroneously conclude that SIE has authorized the associated products and that it was SIE and not dbrand that elected to create an edgy version. Now, I don't necessarily agree with them fully. I tend to look at this and actually see the opposite. I see a company that's clearly not Sony, that Sony wouldn't have to do this. And with a history of playing video games and using third-party peripherals and everything else, I look at that and say, no, no, that's definitely a company that's not official that did this to make it look like the original version. So I kind of read it the other way. It's a fairly weak claim here, but it's a claim Sony has made all the same. Fourth, dbrand has been using the PlayStation marks within the product names of its SIE-compatible products. Of course, dbrand is not selling what they call Sony PS5 skins or Sony PS4 wraps. Rather, these are dbrand's own products manufactured with no authorization or oversight from SIE. And here we get into the magic words, right? This is why people hate lawyers. Generally speaking, you're going to make something, and let's say it's legal. Let's say that it was a giant rubber duck that they made to affix to your PlayStation 5. Clearly not a design infringement, but it hooks into the same grooves, generally okay. And you want to say, hey, this hooks onto a PlayStation 5. If you say Sony PlayStation 5 duck, then Sony could bring the same claim that they're bringing here. But it's unlikely that you're actually saying it's from Sony and is reflective of something that Sony has made. Instead, when we talk about magic language, you could say it's a mechanical duck to affix to your Sony PlayStation 5, or maybe even better, just to your PlayStation 5. Mechanical duck for PlayStation 5 is perhaps a little bit better, not even including the Sony term, but it's just moving words around, right? Nothing on the dbrand website seems to suggest there was Sony. And in fact, the stuff that is oppositional, is combative, would strongly suggest to anybody on that site that no, no, they're definitely not Sony. They're basically telling Sony to sue them. Now, bringing into that equation is a problem with what we call downstream sales, which is that trademark confusion isn't just interested in selling it to the original consumer, right? If you're on that website, you see, go ahead, sue us. You see all this combative stuff. Okay, it's pretty clear this isn't Sony or else they've got a real problem with their own internal people. Instead, what it might cause a problem for is after the fact, right? After the fact, when you're not connected to maybe the shipping or the, or the packaging or the website and somebody's just looking at it, do they think it's from Sony? That comes into play with respect to trademark. And that's what Sony winds up saying for a number of paragraphs here, talking to them about trademark law like their children, but lawyers are lawyers. And then we say, hey, we're, you're violating Trademark Act. That's the Lanham Act here. You're violating copyright. You're violating Canadian law, et cetera, et cetera. So what we would ask is that you do a few things for us. They say, our client would like to offer dbrand the courtesy of resolving this matter without the initiation of formal legal action, as long as you promise to do the following. One, promptly and permanently cease and take down all marketing and promotion for this and cease all sales worldwide of faceplates featuring the product configuration of SIE's PS5 faceplates or any similar product configuration, including without limitation, all faceplates currently for sale at dbrand.com. So we want you to take down everything that has the kind of sh shape and aesthetic features of what's currently attached to the PlayStation 5, which we have noted is everything on your website right now. Take it all down. Number two, promptly and permanently cease and take down all marketing and promotion for and cease all sales worldwide of products or packaging bearing PlayStation names 
PlayStation Family Mark, the modified shape mark design, other PlayStation Marks, or any other indicia of SIE. And three, promptly and permanently cease and take down all use worldwide of the PlayStation Marks, any similar Marks, and any other Marks, branding or indicia associated with SIE or its affiliates, including without limitation within product names. So we need you to change this kind of Sony PS5 reference. We need you to get rid of things that have our marks on it. All that makes sense. And then also we need you to kill all of your sales of faceplates. It didn't seem to include sales of stickers or vinyls or whatnot in this particular paragraph, but those are the orders that Sony has given to dbrand. If dbrand refuses to cooperate in full with these demands or delays in responding to this letter, our client will be forced to take the actions it deems necessary to protect its valuable intellectual property rights. Now, note, this isn't the commencement of a litigation. This is a cease and desist letter. Basically, anybody can send one of these. And if you get one, you'll go to your lawyer and your lawyer will evaluate whether or not the letter is crazy or if they have a legitimate beef and what the potential ramifications are if they do or if they just want to litigate something. But it's not the initiation of litigation. And generally speaking, a paragraph like this is standard for the end of this. You want to say, we will evaluate our legal rights accordingly, or et cetera, et cetera. And that's what Sony's doing here. Here's our demands. We think you're in the wrong. If you decide not to follow this, okay, we'll have to decide whether or not we're going to pursue litigation. Maybe they would have, maybe they wouldn't have. It's also worth noting that though this date is obscured here for reasons that are unclear, it appears to have happened. This letter seems to have been sent a long time ago and dbrand appears to have ignored it. Chances are they weren't given a really large amount of time from when the letter was sent. And as we'll see in their Reddit response, dark plates are dead, thanks Sony. They're gonna say that this actually happened months ago and that they basically only took down the site when something significant happened from their perspective. So let's take a look. It says, hey Reddit, do us a favor, go visit dark plates, we'll wait, as you may have noticed. Much like your hopes and dreams, dark plates are dead. I really wasn't that emotionally invested in the success of dark plates, but I can appreciate what you're saying. The too long didn't read as we were served a cease and desist letter. Naturally, there's a lot to unpack. We're going to talk about that and I'm going to do my best to avoid some adult language included in this post. Hopefully you'll stick around for the entire ride. If not, suffice it to say that they threatened us with legal action and more specifically, as we just talked about, they asked us to take down everything that we were selling in terms of plates. Some months ago, one of our customer experience robots noticed a peculiar email in the robots at dbrand.com inbox. Attached was a PDF entitled, Re, Objection to Dbrand's Infringement of Sony Interactive Entertainment LLC's Intellectual Property. And that was the letter that we just read. So some months ago, this came in and dbrand looks like elected to not do what Sony asked them to do at the time. The letter alleged a wide range of complaints, the most significant of which was their objection to us selling dark plates. We'll let Sony's lawyers speak for themselves. And you'll note that no particular patent is cited with respect to our alleged infringement relating to dark plates. Whether or not they actually had been issued a patent is irrelevant to this part of the story. For now, we are merely stating the facts. Sony did not inform us of any issued patents in their cease and desist letter. They did, however, cite pending patent applications, which we just talked about. But wait, it gets really good near the end of the seven-page diagram. That's lawyers speak for stop selling dark plates or we're going to sue you. That's the, we'd like to offer you the courtesy of not initiating formal legal action. And again, it's not quite that strong. All of these letters are going to say, hey, if you don't do what we ask, we're going to have to look at litigation. And that's always going to be the case. A lot of the times the company doesn't litigate. A lot of the times they do. So it's you know, 
evaluate your risks. Talk to your lawyer, folks. As Sony did not declare rights over any published design patent in the cease and desist, instead focusing on pending patents and a litany of other complaints, we elected to focus on whether an organization should be allowed to sell replacement parts for hardware that consumers already own. Now, this is where the rubber hits the road. If you look at that paragraph, what I see is someone saying, well, we decided to think about what we felt was fair. They reference Canadian law, but Canadian law doesn't really save them here. And then they start referencing a different body of law that also doesn't really save them. Should folks be allowed to sell replacement parts for hardware that consumers already own is an answered question to some extent. As we just talked about, functional parts, things that change function of a thing, things that aren't design copies of that thing are generally going to be okay in most circumstances. Obviously, the facts on the ground and what's registered and what's not is going to change in every specific circumstance. But generally speaking, if you're not copying the curvature and the concept of what's on a different product, then you're often going to be okay. They instead liken it to a right to repair concept. They say, think about it this way. You roll off the lot with a brand new Ford F-150. Moments later, someone rear ends you, putting aside the fact that it was probably your fault. Your bumper's still mangled. You go home and use the power of the internet to source a replacement part. It arrives in a few days. You get it installed and your truck is as good as new. Perhaps even better because it was available in some alternative color that wasn't directly available from Ford. In case you missed it, we'll share an important chapter which didn't make it into that story. The aftermarket part supplier didn't get threatened with a lawsuit from Ford. And that spoke to me. Let's talk about OEM product configuration trademarks. So if you aren't familiar with the way auto parts work, especially in the United States, well, I'm from Southeast Michigan, so I've talked extensively about it. Suffice it to say, much like an industrial design concept, you can actually get trademark registrations and trademark protections for product configuration, which remember was a phrase you saw referenced by Sony a number of times with respect to the PlayStation 5. Now, who knows whether it will hold. We're actually going to look in this article and see that there are a number of court cases that say, nah, it's too functional. It's not going to hold, et cetera, et cetera. But you can try to go say that the way we have configured this product, here you see a bunch of pictures of grills, is so associated with our brand. Can you name these brands? Just looking at these pictures. That it should be protected. And if you want to sell an aftermarket grill, that's fine. But it can't be an exact copy of something that looks like we sold it. Why does that matter? Well, in this Reddit post and as a response from dbrands, they say there is no good reason for Sony to try to prevent the sales from happening. But if it does have a trademark concept, if those plates do associate in a consumer's mind with Sony or with Jeep or with Volkswagen or with whomever then a trademark holder does have a certain interest in making sure that others don't use it, not just to keep their trademark safe, but because if those plates burn your house down and people think it was from Sony, that's going to have a negative impact on their goodwill. The quality is going to have an impact. We'll see actually that dbrand spins that around a little bit in a clever little way, but that's why you can have an interest regardless of whether or not you're selling a product into the market that these folks would otherwise sell it into. Maybe Jeep doesn't sell replacement grills. And so somebody else comes in, that's great, but you have to make it look a little bit different from the car company's own product configuration. Continuing with this article from a website called IP Watchdog, generally speaking to establish valid rights under the Lanham Act, that's the Trademark Act 
to you and I. A party asserting a product configuration trademark must establish that the asserted design is not functional and has acquired secondary meaning in the marketplace. It's not just a grill. It means Jeep. In trademark infringement actions, if a product configuration trademark is registered by the USPTO, it is the defendant's burden to prove functionality. These requirements are consistent with the policies underlying trademark law. First, if the design in question is not functional, there is no competitive need for others to use the design, and recognizing trademark rights in the design therefore will not be anti-competitive. That weird duck bill on the PlayStation 5, if it is truly aesthetic, doesn't serve any purpose to allow other folks to copy. That Sony has that, it's weird looking. If you want to make it look different, that's fine. But if you want to copy it identically, that's associated with Sony and we want to protect their goodwill that they've spent money building. Second, requiring secondary meaning ensures that the configuration signifies the source of the product, independent of any word trademarks that may appear on the product. Now, we don't know whether Sony's actually going to be issued patents or here product configuration trademarks. We don't actually know even what they are looking at in terms of protections for their design because they didn't include them in the letter. And yes, I tend to agree with dbrand that that's a weakness inherent in that cease and desist letter. And it wouldn't surprise me if dbrand sitting in the office of their counsel got a note that said, I don't know. I don't know whether all of these things are terrible. Yes, please take down that one skin that uses a PlayStation 5 logo. Maybe change the words around on your website to not include Sony and PS5 next to each other. But in terms of the plates themselves, it's just unclear what Sony is using to defend itself. So yeah, we wind up in a 45-minute virtual legality because there's a number of ways they could be protecting it and certainly some that they have elected to use. But at the end of the day, they aren't as projecting of protection as they might otherwise be, which is why ultimately we'll see dbrand went down this weekend and not some months ago. As discussed above, in the context of product configuration trademarks, courts may find these parts registrations functional and invalid in the narrow context of aftermarket parts. And you see a whole discussion of this on this page that you can check out. But essentially, if it's too functional, if the grill that we were talking about is part of a functional grill category of aftermarket parts, then a court can come in and say that trademark was improvidently granted, shouldn't have been issued to the company in question. And so we're going to allow the aftermarket part to be very similar in product configuration or design, etc. So this is a fight that happens. But note, it all kind of keys in on whether those faceplates are doing anything. If they aren't doing anything, then Sony can have a valid protection either under the Trademark Act, under a patent, under something that would otherwise protect them in other jurisdictions. And if they aren't, if they're just aesthetic, then that could prevent other people from selling the exact same aesthetic concept. Maybe you change the ventilation, maybe you do something else, but that's what's missed in the conversation here in this Reddit post. And by associating it with right to repair, which is the opposite, right? You're allowed to repair something that's affecting its functionality directly. And yeah, you're allowed to put whatever ornament you want on a thing, as long as it doesn't copy someone else's. And that's not on you, that's on the seller. But at the end of the day, they're equating it to a body of law that doesn't apply really at all. And then you see them reference that clever concept about quality that I talked about. Say, oh, we'd probably be nervous about competing with dbrand's level of quality too. That Sony's paragraph can be read instead to say, whoa, 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 we don't want people thinking that that's Sony's because they would expect too much from us. That dbrand is another level. And I think it's clever. It's not going to help them, I don't think, but it's clever. So they argue that there's only a couple of reasons why Sony would be interested in shutting down dark plates. They say, one, they're merely seeking to protect legitimate patents. Now, they don't actually use the word patent. 
So they mean protect legitimate interests in their design. Two, our brazen marketing pissed someone off who is high enough on the food chain to sick their lawyers on us. Or three, they're launching their own black faceplates or working on a licensing model where they have a monopoly over custom faceplates. Now, one and three to me essentially go together. The reason you have patent protection, the reason you have trademark protection, the reason you have copyright protection is to allow you to use your brand, your mark, your design, your copyrighted materials to your advantage. The way that the structures are set up is to give the creator of intellectual property the right to exclusively use and utilize and profit from that intellectual property. So if they're merely seeking to protect legitimate rights, that leads into, hey, maybe they want to sell something later. They say, let's go through door one, legitimate protection. If you're a business that's keen on enforcing your legitimate patent rights, what strategic benefit is there to issuing a cease and desist without citing enforceable patents? If Sony wanted to enforce legitimate design patents that have been granted, it would only make sense to cite them in the cease and desist letter. And I don't think Sony is actually stating that their patents had been granted in that letter. But again, it's not really your call to make if you're the potential infringer. You can evaluate that and your lawyer could say, well, they didn't include direct references. That maybe gives you some wiggle room. But why would you not include them? Maybe because if they don't issue, you're going to retry it with some kind of other application that you don't want somebody to come in and oppose the application, otherwise to cause trouble for you with the USPTO. So you don't give them that specific information, which if you hire a patent lawyer, they'll probably be able to find somewhere. And I'm not that patent lawyer. Uh, There are a lot of patents filed by Sony literally every month. Uh, And so actually going and finding whatever design patent they might've applied for with the Sony PlayStation 5 is beyond my ken. But you could go and look for it if you wanted. There are reasons that you don't have to really imagine too difficult to say Sony doesn't want to share that with you, even though I think it does hurt their cease and desist letter. I'm in agreement with them there. Our suspicion is that number three is the actual reason. They want to sell model faceplates in black. If Sony was seeking to monopolize the replacement side panels for the PlayStation 5 market, the last thing they'd want is a robot-shaped elephant in the room. Now, if it were robot-shaped, then you'd probably be okay. The problem is copying the aesthetics of the Sony design. Instead, we'd speculate that they're either planning to launch a PlayStation 5, which features black faceplates, or setting up a framework where licensees are granted aftermarket part rights to be their mules. So you're already seeing a kind of concept here from this company. They're very combative with this. Now, here's the important part. As I said, that letter apparently came in months ago. Nothing happened. And Sony didn't initiate litigation when that occurred. So it's worth noting that Sony apparently didn't get what they wanted. Dbrand kept selling. Sony didn't initiate litigation. And then, as they say here, fast forward a couple of months from the original cease and desist letter. To our surprise, Sony's lawyers advised us that a patent had been issued in Canada, which purports to cover the shape of the PlayStation 5 side panels. Why didn't they tell us sooner? Well, because it apparently just issued before they sold it to you. Instead of answering it, let's get to the point we've elected to submit to the terrorists' demands. I can't imagine why Sony would want to be affiliated with these folks for now. And that for now is important. They're going to continue to look for other legal ways to sell these kinds of things. But suffice it to say, the impetus behind what happened this weekend, which is kind of buried, I didn't really see this referenced in a lot of the articles that I looked at for research of this video, is that Sony's lawyers actually showed them an issued patent that apparently happened fairly recently from Canada. And that was enough for them to say, "Uh oh, we don't like issued patents. That's a big problem for us. But if it were just pending, we're okay with it. It's effectively the CMP statement model here. And unfortunately, I just don't think it's a terribly good business model for any of these companies. Sony would have applied for this patent on design almost immediately. And 
while it's pending, you can get in trouble for selling all this stuff. So Sony's sending out these cease and desist letters and these companies are popping up and saying, ah, we don't care. It's a, if, until it's approved, we're untouchable. And okay, I can't give legal advice in this context. And your counsel is hopefully giving you legal advice on your specific circumstances, but it certainly seems a tough road to hold while Sony has what are very likely to be issued patents in its back pocket. So that's dbrand. That's what I see here. A lot of intellectual property discussion in this video. If you like talking about intellectual property, if you like talking about the business and law of video games and PlayStation 5s and design and everything else, if you get value from this channel, please consider supporting it on Patreon. We've got a Patreon. We've got other ways to support the channel. We've got shirts that we can sell mugs uh, and hopefully some more stuff coming pretty soon. We're coming up on our third anniversary. We'll see what we can do. Or otherwise, if you just want to subscribe, tell your friends, upvote, downvote, have conversations about this on the internet and spread the word, every little bit helps. Thank you so much. And if you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.